Oh, welcome in on this beautiful, beautiful Wednesday, September 20th, 2023. And oh, what a day it is to be alive. What a day it is to be alive in the kingdom of God. This is the day that anything is possible because we serve a God who will take the impossible and make it possible. There's nothing too hard. There's nothing greater. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And whatever you're walking through, he's with you. Whatever you're going through, he'll see you through. Whatever you're facing, he can turn it around. Telling you, my God is amazing. How are you doing this day, Miss Hannah? Doing good this morning. I've learned how to go about this weather. So, you know, you wear like a flannel Uh or something with like a shorter sleeve underneath. Sure. And then once it starts to get hotter, you just take off that flannel and there you go. You're not trapped in the warm clothes all day. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Mr. Tim would like this one. My, My thing is you just wear whatever you want. And then just turn down the air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ethan doesn't like that method. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Jacobs in the house. How are you doing, Mr. Jacob? Doing good. How about you? Oh, we're we're up and at it. Hallelujah! Because this is the day. This is the day. Hallelujah! Yeah, I love this weather, though. Me too. So it's it's my favorite time of the year. Fall weather. I like it. So I read a post the other day. It was. Only in Kentucky can you experience all four seasons in one day. <laughs> Winter when you wake up, fall in the morning, and then you got summer in the evening and back to spring in the um, night, and then back yeah. to winter. So it's um, only in Kentucky. I love Kentucky weather, um, but it is still good. Amen. We got a lot of great things coming around. We are stirred and we're excited for next week's Sherathon. I'm just excited to spend three days with the crew and um, raise raise funds for Box 2 Radio, of course, we're going to do that. But more than that, it's the time we get to assemble with the body of Christ and get together. And we get to hang out with so many great men and women of God. And so much stuff is said. So many things are brought up. So many um, lives are changed. We are, every share impacts my life some way, somehow. And it's not about the money so much as it is just about spending time with the family. And we do raise money and we do ask for money. And I'm not above begging if that's what it takes. But um, because this radio station is listener funded, so we can't do this without you. But and we love you and honor you for that. But at the end of the day, my greatest thing about the um, three days of Sherathon is the the spirit of God that poured out the unity, the coming together and the iron sharpening iron. And we're just really excited about that. So, again, that's next Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. We'll start 7 a.m. every single morning and. Uh, pray for me because of my throat and my voice is like it is right now going into those three days it's going to be bad uh, <laughs> it's going to be really bad because at the end of the day we pull about 30 hours of live radio in three days and that's a lot mm-hmm. and um, and usually your voice is about shot after that and then of course remember the week after that before I let Hannah loose on the other ones the week after that we will have pre-recorded broadcasts so there will be no live broadcast on fall break this time um, we're all going to take off this one and We've been pushing really hard around here, and then we're getting ready to push really hard with some other things on the opposite side of the Sherathon and fall break as well. So um, we're going to be good, but it's going to be awesome. Just pray for our voices and throats that they're not <laughs> they're not uh, gone afterwards. You need to get some of Heather's. I think she has some tea or something. I don't know if I trust all of her tea <laughs> or not. Oh, it, it's. Get in there and drink some coffee or something and loosen up those vocals. I tell you, uh, Miss Mary, who we're still praying for, Miss Mary 
who we love Miss Mary around here. She she had an accident the other day and uh-huh. um, broke some things, and so she's got some cast I think on and stuff like that. So be in prayer for her. She's doing okay, I think, but still just a little bit of pain and a couple other things. But we're still mm-hmm. praying for Miss Mary. We love her very much, and um, and so we've been praying for her. But Mary Vincent. Mm-hmm. But she brought me Tang one time, and everybody's like Tang, but it really did help. Like I was shocked how much that Tang helped my oh, yeah. throat. Um, and voice because honestly i know when you i talk a lot so um when you do this every day you preach two or three times a week and then you do chapels every day and you do this you just your voice does wear out so those yeah. three days of sherathon it's rough at the end <laughs> well what are you drinking during those times uh pepsi dr pepper there's your problem right there. Water. You, need, you need to drink some water some some stuff Lemon that'll water. you gotta get some energy too cords. you what? gotta get some energy too yeah, drink you some coffee I don't like it either, but sometimes I have to drink it. Just uh, uh-huh. I hate it, but I don't taste very good to me. Now, um, I don't know that Pepsi Mountain Dew, Doctor Pepper. <laughs> it lubricates the voice pretty well. <laughs> It'll dehydrate you. I know uh-huh. that. Well, caffeine's what dehydrates you, so yeah, coffee does the same thing, technically. Um, sorta. Of, you're not supposed to drink coffee some, whenever you talk a lot. Put some creamer. Put some creamer in it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think there's just maybe not as much caffeine in co- in like a cup of coffee versus a yeah. Coke. But yeah. huh. I don't know. Mountain Dew's pretty loaded. <laughs> it's something. <laughs> Stay away from the dew. Well, did well, I know this is probably off subject, but sun sun drop is they said is one ingredient away from the drug that they give people when they have transplants, and it keeps their body from rejecting it. It's one ingredient away from being that. I don't even know what Sundrop is. It's just like a Mountain Dew. It's just the same makeup brand. of a ma- Mountain Dew. So, uh-huh. so it's probably Mountain Dew's the same way. So it's medicinal. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps your body from rejecting stuff. So See? See? That's it. Like, yeah. I told you it's medicinal. <laughs> I knew I loved that drink. Ooh, it could have <laughs> adverse effects, though, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, well, Miss. Actually, somebody did bring this up yesterday. I'm not going to get into our whole. Conversation oh, please don't! I'm still, re- I'm still facing it. It, it didn't record, so I think we need to talk about it again sometime um, when it actually. Records. No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> but when we were talking about um, alcohol tattoos, alcohol hats, and shirts. Oh, I've heard. Um, I've heard about that. <laughs> You've heard from the grapevine? Yeah. Um, Everybody has. But somebody somebody did text in and say um, when we were talking about, uh, they mentioned ca- caffeine. Uh, they mentioned addiction from caffeine and, and diet and those things. So I was like, don't go after the caffeine. <laughs> but, yeah. but it is true. And, and uh, we have to look at all things that is affecting our health and so... That's true. Can't pick and choose necessarily, but something I've learned is moderation when it comes to actual like food and th- we have yeah. to have food to survive and and Bacon. drink. I mean, <laughs> bacon's a necessity in life. We don't have to have alcohol to survive. <laughs> Bacon well, is though. Like you know, they say the biggest drug that we're all addicted to is sugar. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. I mean, it's it's considered like because your body starves for it. It's like an addiction, like. So if you ever wean yourself off sugar, it's uh, it's hard. I ate broccoli once. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> I still feel good from it. It still feels like my system's supercharged. But you know. But the sad part about it is, well, we won't stay on this too long because I got to get to announcements. But it is like, 
what is available to us mm-hmm. in our culture. And then, like, when kids grow up and their parents, I mean, I'm kind of blaming the parents, but I'm not at the same time because I feel bad for parents because it is hard to, like, <laughs> it's hard to feed, especially if you have a lot of kids and it gets expensive. But I'm not blaming you, the parents. <laughs> I know the feeling. I know it. No, I know. I'm not blaming. I'm really just blaming the system because it's crazy yeah. how much it's accepted. But once you, my point is, once you start out as a young kid, Eat, consuming all this sugar, yeah. your body just gets used to it, and so it's really well, hard to get off. Of look it, at what—that's what they market. I mean, that's that's the whole market. So mm-hmm. I mean, but that was something that was brought up yesterday about the the cokes and the caffeine and stuff. So I was like, well, that's gonna open up a whole nother. I'm not going there again today. <laughs> we uh. won't go there. I I just it it reminded me that at least someone brought up another another thing that was not so. Uh, it, it was got pretty intense on the, those three topics yesterday. The hats and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how we got from hats to tattoo. Was it part of the question or did it just venture into that? I, I don't think know. it just ventured. I'm I'm leaving it alone. <laughs> that ball is staying on the court. <laughs> I'm not touching it for a while. All right. Well, I, well I'll I'm transition still, us. Then. I'm still reeling from it. <laughs> I mean, I think we all have our own convictions on a lot of stuff. So. Well, I mean. in your favor i mean it's like it never happened because it never recorded that's right no one's ever gonna hear it again (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if that was the lord or satan still trying to figure it out (laughs) just kidding all right um so our other events we have this morning is the shepherd's house fundraiser that is in glasgow um that'll be in the southgate shopping center and that bake sale will start at 8 a.m central time um, they'll be selling other food as well. Um, and this <clears> is, again, for... Um, oh, they're going to have pumpkin rolls. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be... Uh, they said they have pre-ordering for that stuff. but um, And if you're interested, you can contact Cindy at 270-590-8117. But all the, these proceeds from their fundraiser goes for their Africa missions. They use money... Um, raised to purchase clothing, shoes for the orphans and the widows in the villages. And so if you're interested in helping out this this cause for the Africa Missions Program, um, that's Saturday, September 30th at 8 a.m. in Glasgow, Kentucky at the Southgate Shopping Center. Um, And then they have another fundraiser on the same morning, Saturday, September 30th, um, and this is in E-Town, Elizabethtown, um, at Staples. And this will be Bikers for Christ, Christian Motorcycle Association, and Heavenly Saints. They're all coming together to put on a fundraiser for Clarity Solutions. They're raising money for diapers, wipes, and other you know stuff for infants. Um, so they're accepting donations of diapers, wipes, or cash. And that event fundraiser event will start at 9 30 eastern time in elizabethtown so um glad to see the body of christ coming together doing fundraisers doing missions um and that's just two different locations that you could go to if you um, are interested in those so i think that's all we have because we already covered the share and the chili cook-off which is our fundraiser here make sure to come out to that I'm eating Jacob's chili during that time because I'm putting mine You're in. making it? But mine will probably be in the hot category. So Noodles or no noodles? No noodles. <laughs> I mean, that's not even a debate for me. 
I mean, if I'm going to eat chili with noodles, that's chili. That's chili macker. What they call uh, chili spaghetti mac. chili. That's what I call it. Spaghetti chili. I only like the elbow noodles. See, I'm the opposite. If I'm going to have noodles, I'd rather have the, the long noodles. The spaghetti noodles. Yeah, because the elbow noodles just, that's mac and cheese, you know, <laughs> for me. And then if you're Aaron, you just, you come to the event and you do everything. You just don't eat the chili. I don't know. If, if, well, Aaron would probably would eat real chili because it would be meat. Really, there's no beans. It's just meat and sauce. That's yeah, but what, it's that red sauce around it. Yeah. That red sauce? It's the tomato juice, ain't it? Wait, yeah. what about you eat spaghetti? Yeah. Yeah, but this, so, I mean, you eat the sauce on spaghetti? Yeah, but it's all visual. <laughs> <laughs> it's always in your head, ain't it? That's it's funny. all visual. Oh, my God. <clears throat> all right. Wait, somebody told me the other day, I just have to see this. They said, I bet Aaron was a chicken nugget kid. Were you a chicken nugget kid? Um, <laughs> Dino nuggets. Like you would only. No, I'm a dino nugget now. <laughs> <laughs> dino. <laughs> like you would only basically eat like chicken nuggets no, and stuff like that. I was know? a cheeseburger kid. <laughs> I, I know we're on food. I'm sorry we got a transition, but. Those chicken nuggets. Did you ever eat those with the cheese inside? Yes. I can't hardly find those anymore, but I think you can get them at Save a Lot. I think Save a Lot, you still can. But you can't find them hardly anywhere. Yeah. The cheese nuggets. They're so good. But there's no chicken nugget like a dino nugget. I know. Dino nuggets are pretty good. I don't know what they do that to those things, but the dino nuggets. It's dinosaur meat. I mean, it is something else. If it's Leviathan, I'm just chowing down, all right? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I could I could tear me mammoth. in I can tear into some leviathons, <laughs> some dino, dino nuggets. I can do that. Dino nuggets. Levi- I mean, like, nuggets. We've they've saved dinosaur meat from years on past. Yeah, that's why it tastes it. so good. It's seasoned. <laughs> it's marinated in something. <laughs> it's probably T Rex meat or something. I love it. I love it. Um, the best ones are the 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 when the ones that got the what's the one dinosaur that's got the long neck. I don't even know. I can't remember. But they're longer. They're so they're yeah. much bigger, so you get yeah. more meat in there. I did eat a lot of chicken nuggets. I ate a lot of hamburgers. Um, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, so we didn't get a lot of, like, I don't even think I ever even really ate a steak that I remember, like a real steak, yeah. till I was like 18 or 19 probably. Maybe maybe a little bit earlier than that. Like maybe maybe a cookout or, or a family reunion or something. Yeah. No, I don't think. We didn't really need to do steak there. Um more fried chicken. I think the first time I ever ate a steak was with Barry and Gail. So, and, oh, wow. And so it was probably 15, 16, 17 years That's old. That's pretty good steak, though. Yeah, we <laughs> was at Roadhouse or something. I can't remember. Um, and it was awesome. So I grew up a lot on fish sticks, chicken nuggets, yeah. hamburgers. Kool-Aid. Uh, we drank a lot of Kool-Aid. Um, <laughs> um, this is where we mastered the recipe. Um, <laughs> I'm waiting for that. And then um, we did a lot of, you know, like. Uh, did, normal stuff did you ever eat I, I tell my kids they they will not eat them but i eat them so much growing up and i haven't had them in so long that i eat them myself because nobody else will eat them the banquet meals sure the salisbury oh, yeah. steak the turkey and it was feed i love them yeah but my kids said that's so nasty it's so fake i'm like yeah the banquet um we eat a lot we had a lot of the banquet fried chicken like where you get the oh, big old yeah. box um we did a lot of lasagna Salisbury steak was my yeah. favorite. It's my all-time I, favorite. I don't. I never really ate that much because it had the sauce on it, and I just didn't. Um, you was picky then too. <laughs> I, I was more picky back then. Um, 
I want the red Kool-Aid, Mom, not green. <laughs> that is true. So I, we had such a big family. We grew up on ramen noodles, ramen burrito. Noodles. You know those burritos you microwave in the L something something. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. <laughs> those and hamburger helper. Hamburger helper was yeah, awesome. We did a lot of hamburger helpers. But for some reason, I still liked all the healthy food. Like I guess. It didn't change my palate. I still liked healthy food. When I would eat it, other people would make it. It's just healthy food is so expensive. You can't afford to eat healthy food. It's ridiculous. That is you true. It's a lot cheaper than watermelon and five and six dollars for just a little thing of watermelon. Yeah, like a box of a thing of strawberries. It's like four or five dollars. Yeah. Or are we going to buy the box of strawberries that will last my kids literally three point two seconds, or the Raymond noodles that are like thirty three cents yeah. and. Hey, what? but I'll tell you what Miss Betty told me the other day. Why well, was it Miss Betty or Miss Mary? I think it was both of them. It's better to pay for it now than pay for it later. At that time, I think, you know, I've heard people, I don't know who I heard this from. It might have been Karen, but she said that the stuff that we grow during the summer, we're supposed to eat during the summer. But what, you know, we're not supposed to eat that stuff huh. at certain times of year because that's on in that part of season you're transitioning that's why you're not you know the only way for them to grow this stuff is to ship it from some faraway place or to hydroponic stuff so they have to grow it like you know under it's not naturally grown or is grown in a greenhouse so that's where i think you ever notice in the winter time everything tastes weird it's not as good well greenhouse is naturally grown yeah but they have to i'm talking unless you're talking about gmos yeah it's it's i mean they, it is naturally grown, but you're not putting it in the ground so much to to watch it. Um, most, most of your stuff you get is hydroponic. It's grown underwater. And it's hard for, um, if you ever eat a hydroponic tomato, it don't taste as good as a regular one. From well, I don't ground. have to worry about that. I don't like either. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I'll eat the pond one or the other I'm one. I'm just thinking, man, what did they eat in the garden? That's why I'm like, God, bring that stuff to us. I want to yeah. eat that. You know. People go back and forth on what they think the fruit was. Uh, we used to think it's everybody's on the back like of our. It's an apple, but. I'm only answering easy questions today. I still want to know why. Well, what the, do you think the, the fruit was? Huh? Yeah, I said, I, go ahead. What do you think the forbidden fruit was? I'm not getting into that today because I'm going <laughs> to open up a can of worms. Really? I know it wasn't an apple, but why does apple have a bite out of their apple? Um, well, we. I'm, I'm not getting all that today. <laughs> no, I'm just looking at them like, man, why? I, I look at my phone. I'm like, why is that <laughs> apple bitten? I think it could be a pear. That they ate? Like something that like she a ate. pear. Like, you know, if you go back and watch Superbook, it's it's glowing. <laughs> I love Superbook. <laughs> you remember, have you watched that episode of Superbook? I was do showing you watch the kids. Superbook? I don't know nothing about Superbook. Uh, yeah, you do. You do where they, they go in and, and. It's like the Wits Time Machine kind of is what it's like. You've never watched Superbook. Oh, my goodness. That's one of my favorite. It's really good. It's done by CBN. It's done by um, CBN Broadcasting. And they basically the Bible stories. And it's they're really, they're pretty accurate. I've never seen them. Pretty accurate. I love it. Uh, <clears throat> Superbook. Gizmo. Huh. Gizmo takes you back in time to the Bible days and whenever he starts to do something wrong. They and get, you learn a lesson. Your you, kids learn a lesson mm-hmm. in it yeah, every time. Pretty neat. Well, the, whatever they're learning when in their time, it takes them back to the Bible time, and then that the Bible lesson teaches them on their lesson yeah. they need to learn. It's really good. It's pretty good. Hmm. I'm I'm told you I'm not answering no hard questions today. <laughs> I'll answer them for you, Aaron. 
If somebody calls or texts in, you'll answer it. I know it. Just not from us. You want it? I'm, I'm going to disguise my number. <laughs> Random question. No. I don't know. Josh will send us in a, a pretty hard question. Well, we do have one question. Are we going to tackle it? For yeah, we will tackle Josh's, it. Josh's. Well, no. not Josh's, but we, <laughs> the we one will, that he told us. We will answer any question. Um, and I'll even answer the fruit question later on if we want to after we get some at least one verse of Hebrews done. Okay, let's do this. All right, so yesterday we talked about how God spoke. He spoke a lot, spoke in many ways. He spoke by the fathers, by the I mean to the fathers by the prophets, and then the last day he spoke to us though by his son. That it has shifted. It has shifted from using prophets to speak in the Old Testament to now using the Son to speak. And then he appointed the heir of all things. And so he's telling us now that Jesus is going to receive everything because everything is built for Jesus. It's similar to what Colossians says. Everything's done for him, by him, and through him. Then through him, who also he created the world. So we hear, we see here where Jesus is the creator. So now in verse 3, he says, and I'm going to read from the ESV, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he holds the universe by the word of his power. That is absolutely amazing. So let's start out here. Mm. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the pure shining. He is the one that shines brightly the glory of God. He has shown us the glory of God. He has come to manifest the glory of God. On the Mount of Transfiguration, whenever Elijah and Moses left, and then Peter, John, James, and John turned around, they saw Jesus in his glory. I think the significant thing about the Mount of Transfiguration was that those three were able to see the glimpse of Jesus and his glory prior to becoming lower than the angels. And so I think on the, the Mount of Transfiguration, but what is he actually doing there? Yeah. He's saying the prophet and the law must bow down to the Messiah yeah, yeah. and that Jesus, the new covenant, is still standing. And the old ones, they did their part in being the schoolmaster. Yeah. But And that is not practicing antinomialism where we don't look at the Old Testament. That's just saying that the prophets and the law is not my greatest teacher. Jesus is. And Jesus is revealing what God's been doing the whole time. And that's what he was unraveling his 33 and a half years, specifically his three and a half years of ministry in his 33 and a half years. And he's telling us, he's teaching us, he's showing us, he's talking to us. He's revealing things. He said, you know, this, but... He said, my two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and so. And then, you know, love the neighbor as thyself. And all these things will encapsulate every other commandment that there is. He's not He's not done away with the law. He just fulfilled the law. So no longer we have to follow the law because the law has been ultimately fulfilled. This is all being the radiance of the glory of God. So do the, is this where some people get where prophets are not for today? No. Okay. Because this this prophet would have been different than the prophetic anointing. Yes. Um, this is why this is why I teach it a little bit different between offices and giftings. Yeah. Um, and so, but the Old Testament prophets done. There yeah. will there will never be another Old Testament prophet. John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet because he was the last one to predict the coming of the Messiah. Yeah. And then he also got to be the first one to do it. But that's why John the Baptist said he will be the what least of these in the kingdom yeah. of God. Um, and so because he just, he's the transitional prophet. Yeah. Um, but basically what they're saying is, you know, because God did nothing unless he told his prophets first. So I'm guessing this is, when we're reading this, is saying it's fulfillment of 
that because it's through Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything has shifted, and now we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Yeah. Um, and so the we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, but you know we don't. We have the Son. Yeah. We have the Son and the so, Son. But, but we still need the giftings to be operational for the edification for the, of the for the edification of the church. Yes. yes. But we don't. But the prophets are not there to reveal messages from from heaven. I get you. <clears throat> like in the in the Old Testament sense. Yeah. Um, but we are still hearing from the Lord. We're still prophesying. We're still yeah. doing all this because Acts two and all those uh, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will what prophesy. So prophecy is yeah. not dead. And if you go to First Corinthians, whenever they talk about the when the perfects come, that's where they get that cessationalism, where yeah. we the gifts have ceased. Is Corinthians when he says when the perfect is come, but if if you use that scripture for the perfect coming, then in that it's not just tongues and prophecy; it's also knowledge too. Yeah. So because there's going to be one day that we necessarily won't have need of more knowledge, mm-hmm. because we will be perfected at that point. Now we're not going to be all knowing. I think we're still going to be learning, but the the need for supernatural knowledge is not going to be there. So whenever Jesus said, "You've rightly said you've had five husbands, and the one you live you live with now is not your husband." That was a word of knowledge. That was possessing knowledge that yeah. he priorly didn't have, and that was only done by the Spirit of God revealing it to him. We won't in heaven. We won't have needed that kind of gifting. True, uh, but yet we're still seeing it play out today, where people's getting supernatural words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and all these other gifts. And so, um, yeah, that breaks down pretty quick on the cessationalism and the the um, <clears throat> when the perfect has come. Yeah, and so. Well, it's kind of too like that uh, the guy who wrote the Passion, wasn't it? Didn't he have some kind of encounter? Supposedly? You don't want me to talk about the Passion. I know. <laughs> I'm. I, I do. <laughs> it's those hard questions. But I mean, I, but my thing is how we trust something from some one person that supposedly did this translation. How we yep. can trust one person? People trusted Joseph Smith too, and people trusted Alice Bailey, and people. I know, trusted but I'm talking about we're talking about some high, higher level people that. You know, in the kingdom that were pretty powerful people that are falling down that. So um, he, this guy, he didn't really, he don't really have a lot of influence outside of his tribe. Yeah. Um, and because he's not like a worldwide name. Now he's getting to be more known because of the Passion Translation. But I'm not even going to call it the translation. I'll just say yeah. the Passion, the Passion debacle. Um, and so because it's just, it's, it is. It's a very dangerous thing, and and if you if anybody says you're getting mysteries of the Aramaic text, that's concerning because there is no Aramaic text. There's a very select few portions of the scripture that's Aramaic, yep. and then there's some other things. He's got books that he hasn't been able to release yet because there's mysteries that God's never released in scripture. He's never released kind of deal. That's scary, um, and so I have a real big problem. But also, I think the passion is it seemingly feels like it's written for its tribe and its words are inserted just so the people within that circle, how they preach can have a Bible to preach from. I haven't read it. I haven't even touched much on it to even read it, but I was just wondering how much they changed in revelation. Um, I don't know about, I don't know if he's done a revelation. So it's just, he probably has, but like one portion of text scholars, um, some translational experts who know Greek and Hebrew, like the back of their hand. Yeah. They did one portion of the text, and I can't remember. It's it's like a hundred and fifty percent more words than are supposed to be there. Yeah, that's what I figured. Like you take what words are supposed to be there, and then add another hundred and fifty percent. 
That's what I'm worried about if he did Revelation, because the Revelation book says if you add or take away from this book. Um, now, like Bible Gateway pulled the translation. They can't even say it's a paraphrased translation. Because it's so it's, different. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like Lisa paraphrases thought for thought. Like That's what mes- the message yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I know I talk a lot about it, but I feel there's a lot of danger. I also feel there's a lot of danger in the mirror translation. Um, the what now? The mirror translation. I, I know we're going to take a break, but... Um, answer the question, ask a question, whatever it is. But the mirror translation, it's pretty much, um, it's translated from a universalist. And then, and so a lot of the things with that one's a mirror translation. Then there's this one, and people think I'm crazy for even talking about it, but it's concerning because the Mormon church, the, um, I think it's, it's a Latter-day Saints. I think it's Latter-day Saints. They're endorsing this translation called, well, they're not endorsing it. It's really weird. There's what's called the pirate translation. And the pirate translation is a Bible that AI, artificial intelligence, has translated from the King James into pirate lingo. So it literally uses words such as R, maybe, or scoundrel. And it's supposed to be a fun Bible. Like, that's kind of what they made it out to be. But it's translated straight from the King James text. And they say, if you buy one of these, then you get a free King James Bible with it. Well, the free King James Bible is from, I can't remember if it's a Latter-day Saints or the Mormon Church. So it's their own version so, of it? So when you buy the pirate translation, they say, we'll give you a free Bible. Um, we'll give you a free Bible, but our evangelists are going to come and sit with you and give it to you. So by you buying a pirate Bible, then it's basically opened the door for them to cultish yeah, evangelists to come and to give you, they're going to give you a Bible, but... But like, and there's some concerning things in the pirate translation, such as, you know, in Corinthians, it says, behold, all things have become old, like passed away and you're now a new creature. Well, this one, it says you're a scoundrel. Now you're a new scoundrel. So Hmm. what that means is there's no transformation. Yeah. You're just, you're just kind of forgiven, but Hmm. you're still a scoundrel. And so those are the dangerous things. And actually there was one guy who started to try to, he read through some of this just to see it, and he said that it was basically making up words that don't exist. Yeah. So there's no translation anywhere, and they're just AIs just making up words. That's weird because there seems like so many religions. It's like we got this book, but let's give you this book. You know, yeah. you got to live by this Bible, but you also got to live by our Bible. Yeah. Uh, all right. Wednesday number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Who escaped from Absalom's men by hiding in a well? Who escaped from Absalom's men by hiding in a well? We will be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box on Mornings of Box Two Radio on the Box Two Radio Network. We have not got an answer yet for that answer. Who escaped from Absalom's man by hiding in a well? Two seven zero two five seven two six eight nine is the number to call in to get your answer in. Get your name for this two week drawing that will be drawn this Monday morning. And so uh, <clears throat> looking forward to that. We have a Bible question we're going to get started right into. Um, we was going to try to get to this yesterday, and of course, conversational flow did not allow us to. Um, when, you're by, when you die, does your body go straight to heaven if you are a Christian? There's a lot of theories about what happens after we die. Um, there's something called so sleep. I do not adhere to it, but there's there's a pretty common um, theological understanding of so sleep which basically would say that everybody goes to sleep after you die but then there's going to come a time when we're all woke up 
And a lot of people theorize that there really is no cognitive understanding that you're asleep, that it's just like you die and then you're mm -hmm. resurrected because there's no, there's no concept of time. If you're asleep, you know, it, you can sleep for a day and not realize it. Um, you're just resting. I don't really adhere to that because Paul said to be absent of this body is to be present with the Lord. Yeah. But I do not think really our incorruptible body goes immediately to heaven because we haven't received it yet. There's going to come a day when we take upon ours yeah. that the dead in Christ is resurrected first. Yeah. Um, so I believe our spirit goes to be with God. I think that I think spiritually we're with him because Paul would be a liar if we wasn't. To be absent of this body is to be present with the Lord. Yeah. And so I think somehow we do go on. Like, yeah. I, I think there is a going on and, um, but I don't really know how to, I've never died. Um, so I can't really tell you exactly how it happens. And the scripture is really not clear. Like Enoch, he just walked with God and he wasn't. I wasn't yeah. Elijah got caught up in a whirlwind. Um, like we didn't really see either <clears throat> one of them die, but there had to be a transformation. There had to be something. So I'm not really. But they haven't got their resurrected, resurrected bodies just yet. Do you think? See, that's the one. I, Elijah and Enoch's hard for me because, because they went to heaven. Yeah. They're caught up into heaven somehow. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they, they can go with their spirit or their spirit, man. Well, but a lot of bodies. Here's where. See, this is where it gets really it gets a little bit different for me. Yeah. Because I'm just trying to think out loud here because, yeah. you know, how I am, I'm, I'm pretty careful. I understand. Elijah and Moses was standing there on the Mount of Transfiguration. So I'm not for sure how. Yeah. Unless, I mean, you could, uh, Because there were 500 that. that was resurrected. There is yeah. some with their immortal bodies already. Yeah. And it's possible that cer certain ones, but I'm just saying there has to be the dead in Christ rising first. Yes, I think so. Uh -oh. I think there's, I think that's true too, but, but in Corinthians, it does talk about the 500 that was resurrected with Christ that walked the earth. Yeah. And it's possible that there is certain people chosen that have this because of the cloud of witnesses and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. But I don't really adhere to so sleep because so sleep would almost mean to be like, no, I don't believe you, that at all. You get, you're kind of this time period where you're in limbo kind of and like, that, you know, to, that kind of feels too purgatory for me to actually yeah. kind of get behind. Yeah. Um, but it was, and, and of course, Paul's statement of to be absent of this body is to be present with the Lord. Yeah. Like when we die, we're going to be with him. Yeah. Um, Cause there's no longer paradise because it's, it's Jesus is, already prepared the place for yeah. us so you know at that time like if we want to go back to early on yeah there was a place called paradise that people yeah. went to now did they have their bodies then i don't i don't yeah. know see i think though when he went down to shalom um and he went down there and he preached the captives captive and he he took the captives captive. basically he's saying those who were in paradise down there he preached to they accepted him yeah. they they accepted him as lord and savior hallelujah yeah I believe those were probably very well part of the 500 that was resurrected. Yeah. And you and they might be, yeah. But I don't think there was probably just 500. Yeah. I think there was probably more than that, but there's only a record of 500. Sure. And so and they seemingly did resurrect and kind of walk the earth with them. Yeah. It seemingly looks like in Corinthians. Mm -hmm. Um and I think that's the ones who were accepted, but if he was able to talk to them and preach to them, somehow they're down there. Yeah. Sometimes somehow they're cognitive. Somehow they're thinking. Somehow there's some kind of form. Do you think there was anybody who rejected that in paradise, or was it possible in paradise? I doubt it, because they was already followers of Christ anyway. Yeah, 
yeah. or followers of the war, the law. Yep. They already operated. They already had grace. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I see when he died, I don't think he went down and preached to all of hell to accept him. Yeah. I think he preached to paradise, paradise to Just Abraham's the bosom. The depth of Sheol was where Satan was cast down, right? Well, he will be cast down. Yeah. Well, uh, but, you know, Abraham's bosom was where he went and preached captives yeah. to preach to. Um, so my thing is when people died then, did they, was it basically that they went to the pits of Sheol? Or? Well, yeah, I mean, that's where it really looked different for like Elijah who was taken up in the whirlwind. Yeah. And then Enoch who just walked with God and was not like, Enoch I really feel like is a shadow of the rapture. Yeah. Mm. That's kind of what I feel like with Enoch. I, I think agree. he's a shadow. Elijah's not really though. I don't know what you would call Elijah because he's literally like, he almost looked like he knew, he kind of knew he's going yeah. and Elisha kind of saw it and Elijah gets just taken up in a whirlwind of fire, like almost like a tornado of fire. And he rides up and he throws his mantle down to Elisha. And so like Elijah's was different. And then Moses though, Moses died kind of on the mountaintop and then they wrestled for his bones. I know that's another thing. And so there's a lot of things, but you know, we don't have a lot of things like in after death, um, the rich man, Lazarus, he was cognitive and he had the ability to see through the chasm or the chism. And he was able to say, let me go back and tell everybody. So he st- he was able to think, he was able to talk, he was able to, to look. But, you know, but then the Bible does talk about the dead in Christ will arrive first. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know. It's just really hard. It is a really hard question. And there's a lot of theories going around how it happens. I just, I can tell you what I do or don't believe according to Scripture. Yeah. Now, if, if somebody wants to try this near-death experience thing to see what happens and then come back, you could probably make a lot of money off a book like a lot of people do. But uh, <laughs> That's why it seems like every time somebody does that, they do make a lot of money off Yeah. It. Um, and so Paul, though, Paul, I do think Paul did have a near-death experience. Yeah. And I think it was when he was stoned and he almost died and he said, I knew a man that went into third heaven. I think Paul did have a near-death experience. Well, and Paul may even actually have died and come back. You ever talk about people who, um, right before they die, some people see things, you know, like in, when they're about to die. I always heard that, that they see, they'll see stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I remember a preacher man talking about him going into a room and he was preaching to this man and trying to get him, you know, to understand. Cause I mean, this guy was dying and he, I remember he, um, said he walked into the room and he was trying to tell this guy about Jesus and he just didn't want to accept it. And then the guy was about to die and before he died he heard a scream come down the hallway and the guy was yelling, I can hear, I can feel the flames of fire already, basically. And then he died. Wow. And it was like they I've heard from people that they said that their feet started to burn. Yeah. I mean I've heard were... or some people say I, I see the light or i'll see like angels or something like that and right these are people that actually like did you know this person um no i just the, heard stories oh, gotcha. like that. yeah like i didn't know people personally but like my grandmother and like people that that were in my church at one time had talked about and then actually someone that was in the church worked for hospice or how do you say that hospice or hospice yeah. um 
And so she's constantly watching people die, like with people as they're passing on. And she's told some stories similar to that before. I mean, I don't know. I just, well, we have a we do have a biblical proof that people probably are seeing into the next realm as they're passing because Stephen, um, oh, yeah. Stephen could see basically Jesus awaiting him. Hmm. Um, but I mean, so I, I think that's very well possible. <clears throat> and so, but the question about does our body instantly go to heaven? Yeah. I don't think it does. But I think we instantly go into heaven somehow, some way. If you're going to heaven, like if you're born again. Um, but I do think there's a coming a time whenever your body is going to be different because see, Jesus was actually resurrected. Yeah. Like his body was resurrected and that 500 was resurrected with him at least 500. So can we establish that we think that there was some people that have their resurrected bodies? Not everyone, but a few. Oh, without a doubt, there's some right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's um, what we're just. And, and so, I, and I think, I, I, now, that would all be from the Old Testament. Yeah. And see, now, I do want to say this, though. Um, I do want to say, I don't think that necessarily means, like, we've done a really a lot of stupid stuff with this rapture. Yeah. Like, we made a lot of ideologies. Movies. Movies, <laughs> stuff like this, that really is probably not scriptural. So, do I think the graves are actually going to bust open? No. Yeah. I really don't. It'll happen so fast, though. It says in a twinkling of an eye. Like... Jesus's tomb got rolled away. Yeah. All right. So I get that, but like, do I think it's going to be this? Like, what I'm afraid of is we made this look like a Scooby Doo ep- episode, where skeletons going to get up out of the coffins and start walking around everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so you saying the clothes are not going to be folded? Uh, all right. Uh, um. And so, like, I don't want to like, I want to have some really yeah. good thinking on this, yeah. and I think yeah. what's going to happen is God's going to give them their bodies, their immortal body, their incorruptible, and it's going to make an exchange. Now, does that happen immediately? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Could it supernaturally somehow? Sure, I guess, but I would struggle because then you're going to have to deal with some scripture that I think would be very hard to deal with. So here's another thing, because we have the judgment seat of Christ, right? Uh-huh. Do you think that people... Everyone at that time will be judged, or is people already judged? This is where it starts getting tricky, okay. and this is that I will be completely honest with you. This is where it starts to get difficult trying to decipher what's going on. Yeah, because if our spirits already going with the be the Lord, there had to be some kind of judgment. Yeah, exactly. But it looks like we're in our body at the great white throne, or the believer, or the great yeah. you know the judgment seat of Christ, or the great white throne of judgment, like whichever one you're at. Yeah. And you want to be at the, you know, just seen of Christ. You, you'd rather be there, guys. <laughs> yes, I'm just telling you. you yes. And you can be there today. Believe in your heart and confess through the mouth that he is Lord. And the Bible says you shall be saved. Um, but you you want to pick the judgment seat over yeah. the great white throne. If you, if you can help it, you probably want to be there. But it does look like when we are there, there we're in our body. Yeah. Now, in that, though, so I want to walk. I'm not trying to cause a a swarm of bees to come out again this morning. So I'm walking on quick. I'm, I'm walking on the razor blade very carefully here this morning at the judgment seat of Christ. It's not about whether you get into heaven or not though. No, that's about rewards. Reward. Yeah. And all the works that are not of God will burn up in the hay and stubble. But then those that were just, that stood the judgment, you're being judged for your good works at that yeah. point at the judgment. Now for the great white of throne, you're being judged for sin. Yes. 
And so, That's and true. that is internal. And, and what's that called? The second death. The second death, yeah. So it looks like you could be judged prior to that, but then you get your body back only to be sent back and internally damned at that point. And that could be the second death. Mm. But that's just, I'm, 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 I'm trying, I'm navigating carefully because I'm not trying to build a whole so you, theology, but, but you're it's not just. Talk, you're not, so are you saying that the great white throne, are you saying that? Uh, that's every, Revelation 20. Yeah, I'm just saying, are you saying everybody I think that, is that, eternal I think damned? that judgment is the unbeliever, and I think that is internal damnation at that point. Okay, we still are on that matter, you, the sheep and the goat, the separation. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, in my th when I'm thinking theology, there has to be when he's setting up his earthly kingdom. Well, the great white throne would be after the millennial. Yes, but I'm talking. So about there is no separation of sheep and goat at that point. The sheep and goat would come prior to the millennial. The sheep and the goat, and it would be happening yes. during the millennial. Yes, that's what because I'm there's about. in the millennium there's going to be people with immortal bodies walking around. Yes, there will be some that's alive and some is immortal. Um, and so at that point, I think the great, the great white throne, I don't think is a separation of the sheep and the goat. No, I think that's yeah, unbelievable. I agree with that. Yeah. I think the judgment seat of Christ is for the believer and the but white I'm talking about the populate, the ones who will populate the millennium. I think that's a mixture. I don't, I don't think, think everybody, goat, I don't think everybody's going to be born again during the millennium. So you think that the ones that populate the millennium could be sheep and goat? Yes, I do. Okay. I think it could be believers and unbelievers because at that point he's ru he's ruling with an iron fist almost at that point. Yeah, like Paul Washer says that during the millennial, basically, I think he said this: uh, you don't have a you don't have a choice to worship. If you yeah. don't want to worship, the angels come break your legs and make you worship. Um, and he was pretty aggressive with that. I'm not yeah. saying I disagree or agree, but I think that there's going to be both in the millennial walk okay. on the earth. Okay, that's just my opinion. Yeah, because I still think people's being born. Oh, I agree with that. I think they will populate. And, and I think that always you'll have the requirement until that last thing. I don't think there's hope for redemption, though, in the millennial. Yeah. But I'm unpacking all this. This is not like set in stone kind of deal. But there's going to be a... It, it's the absolute truth. That <laughs> is definitely not. <laughs> but the thing of it is, in all truth, there Just will kidding. probably not be a lot of people alive during this time. Because, because New Jerusalem's not here yet. Yeah. I'm talking about when we're talking through the seven-year peace treaty after the church is raptured, yeah. a third of the word will be burned. There will be a third of the waters will turn to blood. I mean, so we, we're Is that saying that will take place before the millennium? Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, do you think the New Jerusalem's here during millennial? I've been trying to work through this a little bit The later. New Jerusalem being heavenly suspended, I think it will be. But I think it'll be. But um, it's going to come down. And it'll yeah. set itself. And it's, I don't think everybody has access to it other than the ones that – I don't – So you think New Jerusalem is there during the millennial? Yes. But we not everybody has access. I don't think the ones that are living – I don't see how unbelievers could have – That's what I'm saying. I don't think the ones who are living – Yeah. If that's true. The, the millennial, I will give it, is probably the hardest time to decipher yeah. what's going on because we have like – just one reference yeah. to this thousand years. And it's a very short reference. It's not extensive. Now, because I believe it will be suspended. So it's not going to be like on the ground. It's going to be. Do you in, believe it ever drops it? Because I believe it drops the ground. Because I believe it will be suspended above the city. Like it's going to be like a. So it never, you don't think it ever established itself on the earth. It just yeah. suspended. Well, I think it's established because it's like a place where 
I mean, everyone's going to see it. It's going to well, it's fifteen hundred miles by fifteen hundred miles yeah, it's wide. Pretty big. So it's over half the United States. Yeah. So I mean, it's going to be the whole world's going to actually. See it. it would cover the whole eastern part of the United States plus well into Canada into Mexico. Yeah. I it's mean, this big. thing is massive, and it's that tall. And so, um, man, that's some that's some good suspension. <laughs> I want to know what kind of wire well, that's being used. Gonna, to I mean, if we could say suspension, I mean, it's just going to be so tall, it's just going to look I huge. I mean, he holds the earth in place. It's so, 1,500 miles tall. How many pillars you got to have for that? Uh, what, uh oh. What's, uh -oh. what's cold? What's code on that structure? <laughs> um, all right. Now, we had another question working off of it. Anybody got anything to say? Miss Katie's joined us in the room. I don't know. I don't have anything to say, but I just heard your all's conversation in the parking lot while I was dropping the girls off. And I thought, oh, I have to go in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad you're here, Miss Katie. Yeah. Uh, question. Do you think unsaved left behind will see his church raptured? I'm not sure if there are scriptures that teach either way. I believe that you will not see the church being raptured out. I believe they're caught away. And I believe they're supernaturally caught away. Now, I know left behind basically tells you that a bunch of unclothed people is going to soar into the sky. I don't think that's the case. I think it's a... I, well, technically, left behind, they didn't see it happen. No. They just looked over in their clothes. Well, it depends on which left behind movie you see. Oh. Um, there are some where they start to... Well, the, the ones I've ones. seen, they just come home and they're gone. Yeah. Well, Nicolas Cage, you didn't do that. And then the other left behind, they were pretty careful on it. But I do believe that... I don't believe we're going to see it. And I don't think Jesus comes back for that. So I think that's the thing that we've missed about the rapture. The second coming, he does come back. The rapture, he doesn't. The mm -hmm. rapture, he catches away. There is no trumpet on the rapture. There is nothing. There's just a catching away of his church. The trumpet is literally for, I believe, the second coming. Right. But the important thing, we can agree, right, that there will be a chance for salvation after, after the rapture. A hundred percent. I think you can. I think you can be saved until the ark is shut. Mm -hmm. And I think that ark is shut at the beginning of the millennial whenever Satan is bound up too. But I don't know. I'm, I'm still working on that. Like eschatology is different, different and it's difficult because we're already, there's always something unraveling. There's always something happening. So eschatology is the one place that I think any serious Bible students probably going to change quite a bit in their life. Mm -hmm. Like, cause we're, we're constantly going to be unraveling new things. And of course, you know, I, we, we've made this, I think I think ultimately we've got the rapture and the second coming very much confused a lot. Uh -huh. And we try to make them be the same event when they're nothing like the same event. Yeah, because I've had people tell me, you believe Jesus is coming twice? I said, no. He's, said, he's coming one time back to set up his earthly kingdom. But when the church is raptured, that's not him coming down. That's us going with him. That's us meeting him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so, but I, I don't think we'll see people leaving. No. Um, and I don't know. I don't think the world will see Jesus during the rapture either. No. Now I do think they'll see him during the second coming. Every knee will bow and every tongue. And that's not going to be mm -hmm. pretty because the first time he came as a lamb to lay down his life, the second time he's come as a lion with a sword coming out of his mouth, riding a, riding a white horse with fire in his eyes. So if you're going to deal with Jesus, you much rather deal with the lamb than the lion. Um, and sure. so, um, well, if Jesus was coming back at the time of the rapture, then people would be able to people would know it. It's not going to be like a catching away yeah now some people say there this is where though that people get there is no rapture there's only the second coming and um, we know people like you know that hold to that view and we respect it on them i don't some people think too though that 
the post-trib rapture, which basically right as Jesus is coming back, the church is called away. But I believe there's a period of time the church is with him. And I still see the, is it Revelation the 6 or multitude. 7? The great multitude. I just think they're there. And the great multitude, which is in Revelation 6 or 7, they're up there from all tribes and nations. They're worshiping the king of kings. They are dressed in white. They are done all this. And it says these are the ones taken from the great tribulation. And I believe, if 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 I'm correct, then I believe we're leaving in the rapture midpoint. Pre-trib, uh, po- I mean, post-trib, pre-wrath. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that would be, because it would be in the seals that I believe that we're around the sixth seal. Well, there's a 30-minute gap between the seals and the trumpet. And when they're transitioning from the seals to the trumpet, there's a 30-minute break in heaven. Yeah. And it looks like that 30-minute break, that's whenever it contextually talks about the great multitude, and it contextually talks about the 144,000 that's being marked on their forehead so the earth can't touch it because God actually stops everything going on on the earth with judgment, and he says, don't touch the earth again until I can mark my servants. Now, the 144,000, do you do you believe that that's Jews? Yes. Okay. Because there's 12,000 from each tribe. tribe, I'd never think about that, but Jesus is marking his servants, and then Satan Satan is already marking marking the mark of the beast. Yeah. Yeah, it's always a copycat. But Dan is left out. Yeah, but Dan is left out. Um, Dan's on, yeah. (laughs) The cursed tribe. Right. (laughs) But that's, ain't ain't Samson from the tribe of Dan? I'm pretty sure. Uh, It's early. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm still reeling from my brain, Um, still working from yesterday, so... (laughs) I mean, that, that's some deep stuff that I think that people are interested in. You know, I really think there's a lot of depth in. Well, if you want to go deep, you better get a different host. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I mean, it is fun to dive deep into stuff like this. Um, well, I don't, I, I, I'm limited. Yeah. And so, like, we're limited because we don't have time to prepare all these questions. Every morning we work okay. off of our brains. We're working off the phone. Um, and my brain works better at 3 o'clock in the afternoon than it does at 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, I just found that. So that's why I keep on saying afternoon drive instead of mornings with box two. <laughs> <laughs> afternoon drive. Box two. Afternoon drive with box two radio. <laughs> Has a good ring, don't it, guys? <laughs> but see, I think that's – I've been – I know we got to go to break, but I know that I've been questioned by a Jehovah Witness one time, and he says only 144,000 are going to go to heaven. The inner parts of heaven, but sure. you'll still be in heaven, but you're on the outside of heaven. I said, so you're you're taking the scripture that talks about the 144,000 being marked as the only ones in heaven. I said, oh, my goodness. And I start taking him through scripture. And he used to be a Baptist preacher and he became a Jehovah Witness. So I started taking him through scripture. And I said, so so how do you explain this? And and then he was I said, I think the 144,000 is for the Jewish tribes. It's not for people like us. Right. And I said, so you're saying Jesus died on the cross to give access to only 144,000. I said, you're limiting him. And then when I left, because it was in the jail cell, because I was delivering food in the jail, and he was there trying to minister to the guys. And so I'm talking to the guys in the middle of talking to him. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm going to have to go home and pull out my Bible and have to read it. So I'm like, amen. You know, (laughs) we we got this Jehovah Witness guy who's going to go home. Hopefully he doesn't, because he has a separate Bible that he uses too. Yeah. So it's just. Well, my opinion, now this is my opinion, is if Romans is correct, there's going to be a fullness of the Gentile age. 
Yes. And when the age of the Gentiles fullness come, then, it's then Israel is going to experience revival because they're going to be yes. provoked into jealousy. Yep. So if they hear about this rapture and the rapture happens and, and they get taken out and they're left, yeah. then yeah. there's going to be a jealousy. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. you raise up because the multitude along with the 144,000 happen at the same time. Yes. It's all right there together. And so as Israel's provoked, then he releases the evangelists. Yes. And, and then like, I think Israel will have revival the at two that witnesses? point. The, is that what you're talking about? That yeah. would be the 144,000. That would be, yeah. Because they're Jewish evangelists. They're they're going to have oh, a mark. They're yeah, going to yeah. they're going to be, be doing miracles, signs, yeah. wonders. And now they can't be killed. I mean, I mean, these are these are these are bad dudes. Yeah. Nobody. They'll 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 probably try to kill them, but they won't be killed. You can't. You can't kill them. And so at that point, the 144,000 will be released to witness to the, the gospel other during this time period. Well, not just Jews. I think they'll go throughout. But I think Jews will be the ones experiencing revival because I think okay. Jews have heard about this rapture. Yeah, yeah. And I think but I'm just see saying it. there's Jewish people scattered throughout the earth still, yeah. everywhere from yeah. every. So. We gotta go to break. We'll, we'll I know. All right, back. Wednesday question number one. We're gonna reread this one more time. Who escaped from Absalom's men by hiding in a well? We will be right back here after the break on Morning to Box Two Radio, on the Box Two Radio Network. All right, we are back here on this day, on September 20th, 2023, here on Morning to Box 2 Radio, on the Box 2 Radio Network. We're excited, we're stirred about what God's doing in the earth. Jesus is so good, and um, if you don't know him this morning, we want to invite you to know him. Um, maybe you're just pulling, uh, driving down the road, you hit the scan button, you're trying to find a radio station to listen to, and somehow you're here. Somehow you just popped onto here. Well, I think it's a divine connection. I think it's divine intervention. And I think the Lord has set you here to hear this, that whatever you've done, wherever you've gone, there is redemption, there is forgiveness, and you can be restored, you can be forgiven. And the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord, we shall be saved. And when we're saved and we're born again, we have a sin problem. We had a problem with sin and it separated us from God. Now, it's not about just forgiving our sin. You will be made new. Everything in your past, it's washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has forgotten your sin as far as the east is from the west. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to be broken. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be anxious no longer. My God's a very good God, and my Savior's a big Savior, and he saves to the uttermost. And whatever you've done, whatever you think, you've said, I'm gone too far. I'll, if I walk into a church, I'm gonna, the wall's going to fall down. The ceiling's going to crash down on me. I'm telling you, that's the enemy trying to keep you from the grace of God. He loves you more than you could ever imagine, and he wants to save you. All you have to do is believe in your heart that he is the Lord and Savior and confess him as Lord and surrender everything to him. Say, Lord, I want to follow you all the days of my life. I'm telling you, he will save you and you will be changed this very day. Amen. Well, we have an answer for that trivia question. I don't know how to say it, but we have an answer. Um, It's Jonathan. I got that part. But this other one, uh, Hamazia, I think, um, Amaze. I know that was I am amazed. Um, it's Second Samuel seventeen seventeen through twenty one. I am still persuaded that we're all going to get to heaven and God's going to laugh at us because we try to pronounce Hebrew names all of our life <laughs> and don't have how to do it. Ahimaz. Um, Ahimaz. Stick with that one. Ahimaz. Um, <laughs> that has to be close. Ahimaz. But uh, <clears throat> we've had a good conversation so much and so far today talking about death, talking to some we got on the rapture. <laughs> Um, Greg Carwile said in the book of Zebedee that describes the millennial reign, I think is what it is. Um, and so 
I'm going to have to look more into this millennial reign because I do have a couple of questions. I've still yet to really work my way through on it because I'm definitely nowhere near a scholar or know everything. Um, What's your question? I just want to look more into okay. it. I, I kind of want to establish more of a timeline. I want to see how judgments work and um, really the Magog and Gog and then the spiritual Magog and Gog. I want to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see exactly if the believer and unbeliever seem like they do. And some things we may not be able to get an answer to um, because, again, there's not a great deal with the millennial reign. There really isn't. Yeah. Um, and so, but we just have to use what we do have and get to it the best we can. So, Hannah, did you say you had a question? Did somebody say you had a question from yesterday earlier or something like that? Mm. I didn't want to miss one if we had Mm-mm. it. I don't think so. Okay. Um, no, I just had feedback yesterday, but we are. Yeah, I did too. A <laughs> lot. Um, <laughs> explain Romans 2.16 is the only question on our list that we haven't got to yet. Explain Romans 2.16. So if I turn over to Romans 2.16. Um, Romans 2.16. Um, I'm going to drop back to 15 and read both of those. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day. When according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. And so here he is talking about Gentiles. When do not have the law by nature, do what the law requires. They are a law unto themselves, even though they do not have the law. So he's saying this Gentiles didn't grow up around the law. They were isolated from the law. So by nature, by just where they was born, they weren't accustomed to the law and they became a law unto themselves. Now, if you look at Romans 7, chapter, chapter 1, 2, it starts to understand that even if we don't hear the gospel, we know that Jesus exists. We know that God creator, God's there. It's in our conscience. It's written on our heart. That's true. And so nobody has an excuse. And so I believe though, if you've never been, if you've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're in a remote village. I believe that you will be judged based upon what's in your heart. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe. Miss Katie, is that what you see too? I think so too. Yeah. I've, I had looked this up a while back because Jocelyn kind of had that same question. Like what if you're in some far off remote village and, and you've never heard it. And I came across that scripture and I mean, I can even testify to that whenever I was an unbeliever, um, I, I would just be driving down the road or riding with my parents and you just look at the sky and you think, what is, why are we here? Like, mm-hmm. what is this for? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, you know, in your, in your conscience that there is a God, you yeah. know that there is one because you just sit there and, and you just contemplate it in your head. And I know that I'm not the only person that ever felt like that, you mm-hmm. know? So and all of creation shows that there that there is a God. It just goes to show you that you may not know who Creator is, but you know there's there's a higher power. Everyone on earth knows something to that right. extent yeah. that there and, has to be something higher. And your conscience your conscience shows that there there is um an awareness of good and bad. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Now I do not think now this is the danger thing is that people would say well, I've been an Islamic all my life, and no one's ever told me the gospel. Yeah. I think internally they know something's wrong because yeah. they're worshiping the wrong God. Yeah. 
So I don't think you get to worship the wrong God all of your life and then go to heaven and say, well, I just never really heard about Jesus. I think because if you go back, it says they, um, they show on that, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. And so he's saying something's happening on the conscious, but then there's these conflicting thoughts too. Mm-hmm. And so I think consci- on the conscious, there's these, even if you never heard of Jesus, we know him to be God. Like there's something yeah. in here, like you are saying, like across the board, across the board, the Ten Commandments kind of reign supreme. Yeah. If you really think about it, like you don't talk back against God's name. So like no matter what you think of, divinity is something you don't mess with. Um, across the board, you shouldn't lie. Across the board, you shouldn't steal. Across the board, you shouldn't kill. Across the board, it's a good idea not to cheat on the woman you're married to. Like, across the, these are things that are across <laughs> the board that everybody adhere to because it's written in their conscience. Yeah. And that's really God sure. testifying of some things. And now, you don't, though, get to practice what we call New Ageism or Oprahism or something like this where you just practice whatever religion you want to, and at the end of the day, you end up there because you followed it faithfully. Yeah. That's not what this is saying. This is saying for those in the remote villages that mm-hmm. never heard the Gospels, never had anybody visit them. And this is why it's so important to get to them because so they can hear the Gospel. Yes. But even there, I do believe, like like Miss Ketty was saying, you see this guy and you know there's a, there's a creator. Yeah. Like you can't yeah. deny it. And, or you're in a remote village, and even in a remote village, there's most of the time, I believe when they first started— I think before they started killing each other and eating each other, there's probably this thing that should we be doing this? Yeah. And then they started listening to the accusing. They started listening to the conflicting thing. And then now at that point though, when you become a murderous, awful generation, I think you're, you're I think you are held accountable for that yeah. because then they went against their conscience. Yes, and they don't, it talks about their conscience being seared, right? You know? Yeah. And I think that, that having that awareness is, is embedded in us from, birth i mean we have to train them up yeah but for them to understand what's right and what's wrong but at the same time these it's just like the naturality of everything of you have to have food to to, to live mm-hmm. you have to have air to breathe to to live so all these things are just buried within the god dna of people but it's just like and that's why i'm always like you're fearfully and wonderfully made Everyone that's ever been born before I knew you, before I formed you in the womb, I already knew you. you. So it's kind of like that's there. But what path are you choosing? What, you know, are you somebody comes to speak the gospel to you and you reject them, you know, or, or, you know, you don't accept that. It's like you're 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 walking. Which path are you choosing? Because, you know, that there's a conscience inside of you saying, okay, this person might be right. You know, and even, and I always tell people, I, say, I hate saying this, but even with these people that may not have everything correct, you know, we're all still walking out our, 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 yeah. our faith. So go ahead. Go well, ahead. there's a listener popped in and said on day of Pentecost, it says every tongue, nation, kindred heard. So don't you think the gospel is everywhere? Cause it's been passed down my thinking anyhow. Um, I think on the day of Pentecost, every man in every tribe was able to hear what was being said because there was a lot of different languages that day of Pentecost because there, there was a massive amount of people coming to the day of Pentecost. And when that spiritual tongue hit, it was a unifying tongue. True. It brought unity and everybody's able to hear. Yeah, everybody there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are 
an innumerable amount of people in the world today has never heard the gospel. Yes. Yeah. There's, um, I mean, I went into the backyard here of 16 age boys last hear. week yeah. and I asked who's ever heard of Jesus or the gospel. And five out of the six said, we've never heard the gospel. And they, they really don't even know who Jesus is. And this is in mm-hmm. our backyard. Like these were 16 age boys that happened to go in our backyard and play basketball and just walking up to them. And I, I went up to them and said, I'll make you a deal. You can play basketball here as much as you want. If you give me five minutes of your time. So I asked them, very first question, who's ever heard of the gospel and who's ever heard of Jesus? Five out of the six said none. We had never heard. And mm-hmm. so five out of six boys right there who live here in the Bible Belt, in the middle of Breckenridge County, has never heard the gospel. Well, don't they say the so biggest? how much more in these areas that have nothing? Yes, to and you get into Pakistan, you get into these Islamic-dominated areas, these Hindu extremist areas. It's, I mean, people don't go in there and preach the gospel very often because you're going to jail, mm-hmm. or if worse. True. You don't go to, you know, people go to Egypt, start preaching the gospel in the Islamic strong codes. They die. Like, they get their heads cut off. Like It's not like it's here in America. They control the internet. They control what's shown on TV, yeah. everything. Yeah. It's the brainwashing of our culture that has kept the true gospel yeah. from being taught. Yeah. I mean, it's all about, culture's changed church. The culture has changed our has changed the church to, to a sleeping, watered-down gospel that people don't even listen to anymore. Actually, I would push and say the culture hasn't changed the church. The church has changed the culture you, it, Yeah, because well, the church got out of the culture. True. We left it. Well, and I mean, they've you, just, I feel like the culture itself, like, oh, we're going to accept this now. We're going to accept culture. They're, I mean, like when they're anointing gay pastors across the nation, then what they've made a sense of universalism, like, Everything is accepted, that everyone's going to but, have it. But this happened as a result of the church accepting. Yes. Because it was being introduced through things that television, fun, yes. Hollywood, and then the church started to accept these things. The, and when yeah. the church stops praying against these things and stop being the watchman they're supposed to be. True. And what has happened in the church is we've created the come ideology and not the go ideology. So our mission, our mission at the church is we're going to get people to come to church, come to church, come to church. Yeah. We invite people to come to church. But really the mission of the New Testament church was go and make disciples. Yes. You go, 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 not come, come, come. True. And even though I think we should go to church, and I think it's very important, church is actually supposed to be for the believer. Mm-hmm. That Sunday morning gathering is not for evangelism. That Sunday morning gathering is equipped those saints for the work of evangelism and the work of a ministry. And so like what we, now the crusade, it was intentional. Like we were going after souls. We were going sure. after revival. But when we meet together on a Sunday morning, that is actually supposed to be the fivefold in full operation, equipping the saints the for the work yeah. of the ministry. Yeah. It's not so we can preach the same evangelism message every Sunday morning. Amen. Yeah. I need, we need to mature the saints. That's what True. it seems like. Totally it seems agree. like how many times the same people got saved in church back in the old Baptist churches that I used to go to. Same right. people every day getting saved. I'm like, when did you get saved? Like a right. month ago? Yeah. And you're preaching the same you need to be saved message to memo that's been there for <laughs> yeah. 35 years. There's read, a problem. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it really does. It's um, <clears throat> Pastor Wayne. I was listening to his sermon the other day. Um, I don't know if it was you or Josh that shared it, but I, I, shared I, that, I, yeah. I listened to it. And he said one thing that's really good. Um, well, he said some. Good, he said a lot of good things. I'm not saying the only one thing in the whole time summer is good, but he says it was really good. That's what I meant. Um, he said, you know, before it, before it can hit the pews, it's got to hit the pulpits. Amen. And if it hit the pulpit, then it'll get into the pews. That's true. And that's getting his nature and knowing who he is. 
And the problem is that pulpits haven't really been maturing the saints. It's mm-hmm. true. We've been using the pulpit for evangelism, but the pulpit was actually never supposed to be for evangelism. The pulpit's supposed to be for teaching and edification. Preaching, going and pro- proclaiming the gospel is supposed to happen in the highways and the byways yeah. yep. and the streets. And that's the New Testament confines. That's what we're missing in the church yeah. is because we make everything happen within the four walls. But the four walls is prepare you for what happens outside the four walls. And well, that's the equipping. Do you think it's been so long because pastors, uh, instead of equipping and empowering the, and sh- equipping the saints, like you were talking about Sunday, they mostly it was like a, a pyramid instead of upside down. So it's basically like the what I'm trying to say, I guess, is the pastors are being empowered by the people for so long because they build these mega churches and these big, huge buildings and get these big salaries and stuff like that. And they had listen to whatever this person gives or this person does and and it's all it become a big money pit instead of equipping the saints and enabling people to to do things and to disciple them truly not just for them to come to your church to build this mega church i feel like that for so long that's what's happened in the body is that we've built everything up on trying to empower the man that's behind the pulpit instead of empowering people from behind the pulpit so well, I mean, we definitely have that religious structure and religious confines and these religious systems have been built that create codependency. And then people want to, what, what that religious system and the, the cycle, the, the cycle of, I guess, codependence is that pastors need to make congregants feel insecure about themselves. So they're always seeking reformation yeah. or affirmation from somebody else. And so that's why you have people getting born again every single week. True because they actually never found who out to who they are. Mm-hmm. And so if I can keep you insecure and not understanding who you are, it's not really even the pastor doing it. It's the spirits. It's that, yeah, it's that doctrines true. of devils. It's doctrines the, the seducing spirits. And so now we have people that's being born again, 106 times every year is because <laughs> they never understand who they are. That's true. And that's because we're only preaching the salvation message. Mm-hmm. We've got to be equipping the saints, to know how to walk in the spirit. We've got to teach the saints how to walk in the gifts of the spirit. We've got to teach the saints how to dress themselves in the armor of God. Because at the end of the day, the fivefold ministry is not there to be the rulers of the church. They're to be the quippers of the church yes. yeah. so that the church can come into the fullness of the one. Yes. And then they can be releasing the earth as quivers, arrows in the quiver. Mm. And so the fivefold is supposed to be sharpening the arrows and just releasing them into the earth. Amen. Yeah. And, I think we talk a lot about people who keep getting saved as if they never got saved the first time. I think we talk about that a lot. But I don't think we talk about people who truly got saved and born again, but the enemy is so a, so keeping them where they are because they've, they've not been discipled. Yeah. So people who are truly born again, but the enemy has lied to them so much and, and filled them with doubt, filled them with, oh, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced that before, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people who have experienced right. that before. Um, and I, I think that's one of the most important parts of discipleship is for people who aren't you know you get saved you get born again but we need that discipleship we need that encouragement we need that that affirmation when the enemy's speaking lies to a new believer trying to keep them where they're at or make them think they're not saved or born again to help them to move forward to get to point them in the right direction in their word and because these things are happening to not only new believers but people who have been believers for a while and they're constantly battling well maybe I don't know. I hope I go to heaven. Maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I'm not born again. Um, and that's just well. And there's this thing. Sad. There's this thing where people um, 
preachers have told people for so long that if you're struggling with anything after you've been born again, that you're really not born again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge Mm -hmm. problem. I've seen it in a lot of churches that I've been to. And then there's another problem where preachers are literally standing up in the church and saying, if you didn't get it, like so-and-so got it because you're not crying and wailing at the altar, then you didn't get it. Mm. And that, that is not, that's not biblical. That's, that's religious, but it's not biblical. Yeah. So Mm. I I had a little, I'm sorry, Jake, you want to, no, go ahead. I had a little kid come at school one time and this is about seven or eight years ago and he's upset at school and I kind of go up and talk to him and I'm like, what's wrong? And he's probably 13 or 14 at that time. He said, well, we've had revival all week at church and I loved it. It's so good. But he said, I just want to be saved. And they tell me I'm so close, but I just haven't cried that much yet. See, and that and is not, th- nowhere in the Bible does it say that you have to do that. Yeah. Nowhere. So here his little heart is, yeah. wanting to be saved, and they keep telling him you're not there yet. And see, and see, they're, they're too blind. They're, they're too spiritually blind to see that the enemy is using them to take the salvation or keep salvation from somebody. Yeah. Because the same the same exact thing was done to Jocelyn whenever she got saved. We we literally walked out of a church that we had only been to one time and she got saved there, but the preacher stood up and said that. So whenever we got out to the car, I said, You tell me in your own words what happened and she told me she was she was saved. Mm-hmm. But then in the next sentence she said But he said that if I didn't get it like that little boy got it, then I don't have it. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, wait a minute. You see, how the the devil tries to steal that from you just as yeah. soon as you've got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're too they're too spiritually blind to even recognize that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. and you know, discipleship then isn't telling people what's wrong with them and fixing people. Mm-hmm. Discipleship is giving the tools to walk in the spirit. Yes. So discipleship is getting them there and saying, let's let's develop a prayer life. Let's mm-hmm. do this. Let's do this. Let's get in there in the Word. Let's get in there. But also discipleship is sitting down with somebody who, like you was talking about with Jocelyn, who's like, but he said, mom, if this, then it's giving them the tools to overcome that thought in their mm-hmm. head. It's not sure. saying you just think this. We give her the tools. And speaking truth. And speaking truth and, and let her have them. the ability to overcome. Yeah, because a lot of like when you grow up in that religion mm-hmm. or you've never had any, the wisdom and the counsel of many around you, mm-hmm. you can re- very well think that those laws from the enemy are actually your own thoughts or even thoughts from the Lord if yeah. you don't have that discernment. Um, and I've seen that a lot. And like, honestly, lately, I've had a lot of conversations with people who are just being real. Like, yeah. I, I just, the preachers, I'm hearing this message, and, and when they say this, is that me? Is this? And there's, there's just a confusion right yes. now trying to attack people who are born again and who do have the Holy Spirit. And I've just been, I mean, I've been there before. So I've just been trying to affirm and say, look, like this is evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life. You have mm-hmm. conviction. You you have conviction when you're when you're sinning. You're producing fruit. I see this fruit that you're, you've been producing. This is an evidence of a fruit of the Spirit that you've been producing. And just kind of affirming that and because sometimes people can't see um, the fruit that they're producing if they're caught up in that confusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. W- one listener said, and I have several texts coming in, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm like on a half percent. So I'm going to die. So I'm not, not me, but <laughs> my phone. phone. <laughs> um, and so um, if I don't get to your text, it's probably because my phone did die. I'm, I'm just hanging on. Uh, but one listener said, many don't want discipleship. And 
I want to say there is a there's there is the what Jacob said unteachable those who don't want to be taught. But there's a lot of people because we've done discipleship so bad don't want mm. nothing to do with it. That's mm-hmm. true. Because discipleship is not sitting down in a room and telling you what to do, how to do it, when to do it, where to do it, and you go clean my car. Like that's what we've created spiritual authority yeah. to be. Like, um, yeah, but true discipleship is me sitting down across the table of Jacob's just born again, and say, Jake, tell me what happened in your heart. Yeah, that's an awesome. That's amazing. Awesome. Celebrating. Yeah. Let's grow together. Now, Jake, do you pray? Well. I've never really prayed. Well, a lot of times discipleship then is like, well, you need to start out with 30 minutes in prayer. There's no way I'm telling a new believer they need to pray 30 minutes a day. You know why? They're not going to know what to do. I say, let's just start somewhere. Let's start with five minutes. Um, When you're on your way to work, pray for five minutes. Pray for your family. Pray for yourself. Pray for, pray for easy. Because we just need to get taste and see that God's good in prayer. Because, you know, it's, we, we kind of say this joke when we start our Saturday night prayer meetings, we, we needed the songs. We needed the the lyrics at time because when you're praying for 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes yeah. you feel like, oh gosh, what do I pray now? I'm gonna sing. I'm gonna sing for a minute. And now we just use instrumentals, and we have no problem playing praying for an hour or 45 minutes. Not to boost us, just mm-hmm. we've tasted and seen how good prayers. And we also understood prayers not always talking. Sometimes it's just listening. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's soaking. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's crying. All these things. But for a new believer, they don't understand. They don't they need to learn. Right. Yeah. And. For me to tell them all that's one thing, but to them experience it. So I sit across the table and say, just, let's just start out five minutes. Let's get into the book of John and read a, two or three verses a day. Mm-hmm. Read read thought to thought. I don't care. Just get them in there. But so often discipleship is they got born again. Now I'm going to sit down in the room and tell them everything they can't do. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants that discipleship. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who really do want discipleship. Like they mm-hmm. they want to know the truth or just to have help with like I've heard so many times like I don't know how to pray like I've heard so many times from people and I've been there before where I don't know how to pray and I'm like and I'm not telling them all these theological things about prayer I'm gonna be honest what I tell people is the Holy Spirit is our greatest teacher Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit is our is our God he will lead us in what to pray if we will just if we will sit and we will clear all those distractions if we'll let all the distractions fall off and just sit with him and be still um, and just pray whatever co- comes on your heart, but also pray the word, mm-hmm. um, read the word while you're praying and yeah. just simple things like that. Like it's honestly, we all should be discipling somebody and just talk to God. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be some kind of big drawn out extravagant prayer. Be like, real with them. Like yeah. somebody that's been praying for 50 years, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. I don't want that. People get want... people get very intimidated. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, just pray from your heart. You know, just pray what's on your heart. Pray that what's coming. You know, even if it's just two, three words. I'd rather have somebody speak truth and from the heart and what they're seeing and sensing than somebody to sit there and who's drawn out this prayer for years and it's the same thing over and over. And I'm not saying that it's not powerful. I'm just saying I'd rather people be real. And that's where I think what we got to get to is time. It's time for people to get real with each other. Hey, I got a problem with this. You know, like I heard this one person say, you get to church and everybody's like, hey, I had a good time. They just cussed their wife out the car or they just got in a big fight. I'd rather them tell me, man, me and my wife just got into it. And before, before we come to church, can you pray for me? I'd rather mm-hmm. have somebody tell me that. I'd rather somebody tell me the truth on something uh, instead of just trying to put on this face of Christianity that we want to put on and, and not be real with each other. Right. You know, brother, the facade. Yeah, because, I mean, 
it's if we're going to get down to the depthness of who we are as believers and we you know we should be able to share with each other our struggles and our and and find help with each other and lift one another up and mm-hmm. uh, um, help you know instead of saying oh my god I can't believe they did that just go to that brother and restore that brother help yeah. them he pick them up off the miry clay pick them up when they're in the, the the valley or maybe you know like what we did the other night when people were getting set free there's there's more people out there that are are wanting that. We see an increase of people who are saying, I want to get set free. I don't know why I keep doing the same, and I love God, and I'm saved, and I just don't know why. Because the church doesn't teach deliverance. We, they don't want to teach need, deliverance. because Sometimes we need deliverance because we've opened a door, knowingly or unknowingly, and cut covenant with it, and we need we need set free from it. Amen, because I just feel like that doesn't mean that you're not saved no and that's where i feel like we've messed up as a body yeah as, tremendously well you're not saved because you're doing that you know yeah and that's well, not true there's people who are preaching the gospel that are struggling with this yeah you know but they're too afraid to admit it they're too afraid to come out and say i need help I because need of the live. because of the judgment that they yeah. might yep. receive i yeah. agree mm. and trust me i've I, f- I feel them because yeah. I'm telling you what, I have a lot of empathy for pastors. <laughs> so you get hit from every side. Yeah. You get hit from everybody. Uh, you take left hooks all day long. Um, and so I, I get it. Um, but if you need to be set free, the, the church does have to cultivate a culture that um, we we can allow ourselves to go through some stuff but get healed from it. Mm-hmm. Because the way the enemy does it is he – he gets us isolated. Uh, Galatians six one, depending on if you're in the King James or the ESV or whatever, the ESV says, "Him who has fallen from spirituality, him who is spiritual, restore such a one with a spirit of gentleness." The King James will read, "He who has a fault or given into a fault or fallen yeah. by a fault, him who is spiritual, restore such a one with a spirit of meekness." Which is basically saying the same thing. It's basically saying if you've fallen, then our goal is to restore that one who has fallen with a spirit of gentleness. And it actually goes on to say this in verse two. Or later on in verse one, lest thou also be tempted and considering thyself, basically saying this, you, we got to be careful to judge people who's fallen because we may fall. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's literally, we reap what we sow. We just talked about, I was sharing that during the break. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sow into meekness and grace before I sow into harshness and judgment True. because I want to reap from that. And if I do fall and if I do have an issue, I hope that the same grace and mercy I bestowed to others, they'll bestow unto me sure. and help me. And so um, I, I just like, I want to see people grow as a pastor. And that's my heart. I, I love pastoring. Um, I know I'm not a strong evangelist and some people's criticize me for that. I don't have that draw. Like I'll share the love of Christ with people. I, I mean, like going to the backyard with six boys and tell them about Jesus and hug on them and love on them and tell them, um, I'll do that. But some people just, they open their mouth and people get saved. Like they say, hi, and three people get repentance right there. <laughs> That's not me. But what I know God That's has, awesome. what has given me though, is to pastor, yeah. is to stretch, to mature, to challenge us to grow and to be, um, to, to be more mature today than we was yesterday and more like Jesus tomorrow than we are today. Like that's my heartbeat. Yeah. And in that I work with people all the time that are struggling, that are yeah. in bondage. And you would be shocked how many people come up to me and say, I can't talk to anybody else yeah. because they'll just judge me mm-hmm. or they'll say I shouldn't be doing this. And I get young people 
come up to me talking about pornography or something like this and or not just young people people mm-hmm. and and i don't i've never said oh my gosh not you too i just say hey look it's it's there i know what you're going through i know what addiction i know what struggle mm-hmm. is let's walk through this together let's start finding your triggers let's start seeing you delivered yeah. let's start seeing god set you free um because a lot of times god sets people free but they never learn their triggers and you'll open that door That's right true. back up yeah mm-hmm. and so people are set free from something like a pornography and they really are set free but then they don't realize their triggers till they watch a movie, something sparks a desire. Yeah. Then they open that door and that desire takes back its root. And then before long, they're back in the reciprocal cycle of sin. And it's all because we don't know the trigger. So um, like when I counsel with somebody who's doing that, I give them my number and say, look, if it's 3 a.m. in the morning and you're getting ready to struggle, call me and we'll pray together because I found it really hard yeah. to open a website page when you're praying. Or, That's true. you know, but because we've not cultivated an environment to where people can be struggling, then what we've done is we've isolated that group of people off. And now they're looking at it at 3 a.m. in the morning because they don't feel like there's anybody they can call to. Because a lot of times in the church, when people do call, how dare you even think that you need to get born again? Well, it may yeah. not be they need to be born again. Maybe they need to be delivered. Maybe they need right, to be yeah. set free. Yep. Um, I tell people all the time, it's if and I want to do this very carefully because I think you can be a Christian without a prayer life. I think you get, and you're not going to be a strong Christian, but you can. Yeah. And I would say this, if you have a problem of sin, you probably have a problem with prayer. And so you fix your prayer problem. Most of the time you fix yeah. the, prayer, the um, sin problem, but that's not even condemnation. That's just saying there's a trigger. And instead of watching that movie, how about we pray? Yeah. And now if your heart says, I would rather watch the movie than pray any day of the week because prayer is boring, you may not know the one I know. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? But now we've got an issue. May, I I think that comparison can kill a lot of things too, and I think a lot of the a lot of people who think prayer is boring or think they can't pray are comparing and thinking they have to pray like sister or brother brother Joe or sister Sally. They have to pray a certain way, but it really is communication. Whatever type of way of communicating with the Father, do it. Like whether it's talking, whether it's just sitting, whether it's writing, journaling and praying at the same time. I mean, whatever it is, it's just spending time with him, Yeah, spending time with him. Right. Yeah. Yep. Anybody else? Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Well, Sorry, I don't mean for that to sound aggressive. <laughs> Sometimes the, I get like passionate about what I'm saying or I just have to get it out and I, I hope it never sounds aggressive. Well, but. in the book of Deuteronomy, the it says Deuteronomy. <laughs> Now, we do have some... Let me get some caught up on some questions. My wonderful wife brought me my um, charger, so I got some I got some life back in my phone now. Uh, <laughs> uh, Greg Carwile said, I have all the answers. Just ask me, I'll tell you. Just kidding. <laughs> he said, just kidding. Um, Joey says, I hate hearing. Let's see if you show the change. Then we will know. Um, it's not about a showmanship. I think that... I think that we... We we don't get to judge whether somebody gets saved or not. That's up between them and God. True. I do think there will be evidence after, though. Mm-hmm. And and I do think that you can say all the prayer you want, but if there is not fruit and there is not evidence of the change, mm-hmm. then there probably is evidence you didn't really get born again. So I want to I want to walk on car- carefulness with that because I don't want people to earn like say their baptism. So like. You know, if you get born again and want to be baptized, well, we better wait three weeks to see if you really did it. I don't want it to be out of my, I'm against that. But also, I think that if you are professing to be born again and you're 
a year into this walk and you are exactly the same person you were prior to being born again, you probably didn't get born again. That's true. Yeah. Um, and so uh, there's there's going to be change. Is yeah. there is there tremendous change overnight? Not always. No. But I, I think there has to be evidence. I think there – and Joey says he's agree. Um, I, I am against the – well, Well, for instance, um, my little girl Iris, she – she got baptized Sunday. I didn't know she was wanting to. She came up to me and we've been talking about this for a while. There's been a couple of times she's asked to. And those couple of times before I knew it was just because everybody else was. But then during the conference, I really did feel like she had an encounter with God, that God touched her life. And so I didn't make her earn it. I just knew before she was only doing it because her friend did. So I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. But if somebody goes to the altar, professes before everybody that Jesus is their savior I think we have to be very cautious to say, well, let's wait three or four weeks and see how much Savior he really is before your baptism. Because now you're trying to earn your baptism. And I want to be against that too. But I do also want to say, you know, if, if if you're at a service and you go up there and you cry a little bit, and then three weeks later it's as if it never happened, well, it probably wasn't a born again experience. And I'm not trying to be judgy. It's just there's no fruit and there's no evidence. And, and we've seen that. Like, but we've all seen that We problem. also got to negate that there is people who are backslidden, that they did once. They were saved, but they went into a backslidden state. And that you, you know, and I see a lot of people like that, you know, that walk around. But I, th- I, do, th- I do think a backs- backsliding and apostasy is different. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, backsliding is I'm just not where I once was. Yeah. Apostasy is I've utterly rejected But I've seen the faith. people there for years. That's what I'm talking about, in a backslidden state for years. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, yep. yeah, I mean, Israel, so, Israel was there. Yeah. Israel lived in that reciprocal cycle. Yeah, they just kept going back. Yeah. yeah. But here's the question, I guess, because I've heard this and I know what my opinion. I was just trying to get your opinion. A lot of people say, well, if you die in a backslidden state, will you go to heaven? And I and I know what I'm going to say. I'm just I'm just. Saying, yes. That's what, OK, I agree. Because I think if, I think Peter died after he denied Christ three times before he got to talk to Jesus. again. I, feel, I still think he's his. Yeah, I think he I think he was in a bad state and I think he was I think he had messed up miserably. Yeah. But I don't think Peter ever ceased to be Jesus's. Yeah, sheep. That's true. But Judas was a different example. Like Judas was all the way from Ju- yeah. John six. He was a devil. So like when Judas betrayed him, that was a whole different betrayal because yeah. Judas betrayed him from being a devil. Yeah. Like Judas was not his. Um, but was he called? Well, now that's going to be a whole other thing of many are called, <laughs> few are chosen. And that's why that's what um, I was getting at. And that is, I think that's different. And that's going to take more than eight minutes yeah, to unpack yeah, because then you're going to start walking into the predestination debate yeah. um, and all of this, which I've <laughs> been involved quite a bit. And um, I, I still don't. <laughs> I'm one of those guys that I just really want to be faithful to the text. Yeah. And if I can't tell you exactly what the text is saying, I'm going to be like, this is what the text is saying, but I'm still not, I'm not for sure how to reconcile these two scriptures yet. Because like, you know, even with the predestined debate, Romans nine is very difficult. Yeah. Romans nine is an incredibly difficult chapter chapter. And, but then you got these other chapters, you know, it's his will to all be born again. So these are the things you have to reconcile. The Bible never contradicts itself. We just want truth. Yeah. And I think this is what happens. We take cheap way out of answers all the time because we don't want to put the work into studying. True. And so whatever Joe Schmo said on 
the radio that's broadcast. It. That's it. Oh, that yeah. sounded really good. And because emotionally I think it found, sounded good, I'm okay with accepting it, and that's just what I'm going to say. Because a lot of times we're never Bereans. We don't dive into the text ourselves. Mm-hmm. We listen to what other people say. and Yeah, that's, that's dangerous. It is very dangerous. And so we really don't have um, any truth. So if, if I'm arguing across from somebody in Scripture, now arguing's not always a bad thing. Debating. We'll say debating. Yeah. I usually ask questions. So if I'm really dealing with somebody. So like if I'm sitting across the table, somebody who doesn't believe in speaking in tongues or the gifts of the Spirit or the gifts are continuing. I'm not going to sit across the table and tell how wrong they are. Yeah. What I'm going to do is say, what do you do with this text? Um, I've sat across the table from universalists who believe everybody's going to be born again. And I said, what do you do with this text? True. And 99% of the time, they can't answer that text. And a lot of the times when that's happened, they've come back to me three or four weeks later still struggling. What do you do with it? Like what you said you do with Jehovah Witnesses, what do you do with this text? And at that point, it's not being what I'm saying. It's what Scripture's saying, and they're forced to deal with Scripture, not Aaron's words. That's how Jesus did it. And so, what do you say? I am? Jesus did it all the time. All the time. Yeah. He answered the question. He answered the question with the question. Now, I will say I learned that in a cheating way because my grandfather was a psychiatrist, and <laughs> he taught me how to do that. He taught me how to answer with questions. Yeah. And. Um, we would sit in his screening porch and we'd have these long conversations. We sit there for two or three hours sometimes just talking about life. He'd give me that awful big R speech all the time as a teenager, the responsibility. Um, he called us a big R. He said, Aaron, we're going to have a big R talk right now. I said, oh, not again. Um, <laughs> but then he would talk to me and we would deal with things. And I would watch how he maneuvered around people with the questions and the right questions. And he would teach me how to do that. Now, um, I didn't realize at that point, I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't studying the Bible. And then I get in the Bible and realize, oh my gosh, Jesus did it all the time. And so. I, you know, a lot of people, I I don't follow a lot of people. I I used to follow this guy, but I learned some stuff from him was Ray Comfort. You know, I'm not always saying that what he, way he does it is the right way all the time, but it is pretty provoking just to ask them by their own confession to get people to get, get their wheels turning, you know? So, you know, you just present the Bible to them. And so you basically get them to see most of the time people are like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, then, then you start asking questions, you know, have you, you know, he kind of uses the 10 commandments in a way, which, which I'm not always like trying to get people to see how bad they are. But, um, I think it does work to get them to look deep into their soul. So. Sure. All right, well, we got about two or three minutes left before we're off for the morning. Anybody got a final word? Final word. Um, I just uh, pray that anyone listening today that's been struggling with any of the things we talked about, that you just know that um, you are loved, and if mm-hmm. you ha- you will know if you have conviction, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you are born again. Um, there will be evidence of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit. Um, mm-hmm. You will have a desire for the things of the Lord, and there will be a change. You'll be changed. Um, but I just want to encourage anyone who's struggling with your prayer life or any of these things we talked about or just struggling in general, just um, that we're here for you. We will pray mm-hmm. for you in our live prayer today, actually. I will pray for you um, at 930, and we'll continue to pray. Um, and we love you, and Jesus loves you. Amen. Amen. Jacob, Miss Katie, final words? I just say um, 
to read your Bible for yourself, you know? I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not just not just one time. Don't just read it one time and then and then think that you know it all. It's it's an all the time thing. And it it doesn't necessarily have to be um you don't have to start out with with KJV. You know, sometimes that's really intimidating. You can start out with NLT or ESV. Um, I started out with the NLT, and I love that translation. You know, I, yeah. you all got me the, the ESV, and yeah. I, I enjoy that. I've been reading that. Um, so don't, you know, don't be, um, don't be so persuaded that that's the only one that you can read. You know, that's very intimidating for new believers. Yeah. I just want to pray right now for a few, about a minute or so. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come to you right now. Lord, anybody out there who is struggling, Father, in identity, God, that you begin to just show them who they are. Father, that the ones that question, Father, that they don't know if they're saved or not. And they just really dive in deep into things and they're struggling the enemy's trying to come steal that away lord i ask you to reveal to them their identity in you that they can rest in you and lord that peace that passeth understanding that they give peace that when the enemy comes to try to tell them the lies that he has father god we just ask you to show them who they are and lord that identity becomes in you jesus with them Mm -hmm. father god that we just ask you god to just be with them disciple them father holy spirit just begin to teach people and lead them to all truth lord lord those who maybe don't have a pastor or maybe they just don't they're not really going to church anywhere and they're just struggling or trying to find a place lord i ask you father that you just show them the way that you have ordered our steps you have already done that, Father God, that we just walk in your presence. We walk in your love. We walk in your grace. Lord, that you lead them to the places and to put the right people in their path. Lord, I just pray right now for every believer who's struggling right now that that maybe has some things that they need deliverance. Father, I ask you to bring them to a place where you can take them, Father, and and, and set the captives free. Father, put them in people's places and and paths, Father, that know they can take them through deliverance. Father, we ask them to come here if they need that. That, Father God, that if they need the deliverance and they're struggling in an area, that they can be open and they break that cycle, Father, where they're afraid to be judged. God, you just get through the depths of their heart, Father God, where they don't longer are, are worried about what someone else thinks, but they they just need to be set free father god we just ask you to bring them father in fullness father god and set the captives free father god in jesus name we thank you god we give you all the praise and glory amen amen well we're out of here for this morning love you guys very much we'll be on tomorrow greg carwell will be on with us on that thursday morning we're going to make room for miss teeny to come on with raise a hallelujah and don't forget if you have prayer requests you can call into the station or you can text or get onto the app and leave it on the wall too. But that would be live prayer would be at 9.30 to 10 o'clock today. As always, every Wednesday with our Wednesday Warriors. So we are out of here for the day. Love you guys very much. Have a blessed day. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network.